welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we have with us today, Travis? Today we have Ryan Connitz. He's one of our market owners. How you doing, Ryan? Good. How are you guys? Good. What is a market owner? I want to know. <laughs> well, that's a good. I, I don't know that I've ever been given the definition, but uh, to kind of sum it up is the nation's kind of broke up into areas, and then each area has its own market owner and group in customer service. So uh, I am part of the Northeast group, so I'm one of the Northeast market owners. Uh, I work a 223 shift, so I have a counterpart, uh, Dominic, who, like today, I worked yesterday and today, which is Monday and Tuesday. I'll be off Wednesday, Thursday, he'll be in. And then when he's off, I'm in. So we basically have um, a market owner here seven days a week from 6.30 to 6.30 or 6 to 7, depending on uh, what his hours are, but uh, that's it. And, and each market owner has a, like I said, a group of a group of people under them: a planner, customer service reps, customer service assistants. They work with sales and etc. Um, and just work on moving the drivers in and out of their prospective markets and working with customers out of those areas and stuff like that. So, so you're in charge of all the people that gather us the loads. And, and and schedule them and 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 we keep the drivers moving through that. Yep, and exactly right. And you know, for different parts of the country, um, in in our two two three shift, which myself and Dom are on, like I said, on the weekends we're we're the only market owners here, so we work with the three planners that are here and kind of have to have at least some knowledge of the entire nation as far as you know who the key customers are, how you shift drivers, you know, where to send them to get home and stuff. And just we're there to troubleshoot if something happens where something urgent happens or if uh, the, one of the planners isn't sure what to cover or what to do. Um, so we help with those kind of things. And in the meantime, we work other data issues to, you know, accepting freight, coding service exception, just busy work that helps. So when the people come back Monday, they have a little bit less to do to get hit the ground running. Fantastic. So how long have you been here at Rail? Well, I started in rail back in 94, so. And you drove before, right? You yep. came in the office? Yep. When I, I'll go back a little further out of high school. I was in the Navy for a couple of years. Then oh, I went to thank college. Thank you for your service. Yep. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Um, went to college for a year. Realized or just reinforced that that was not my choice of learning. Um, and I can still remember the family gathering I was at at my parents where my uncle who drove for Marsh Transport, which was, it's a much smaller trucking company just north of Marshfield here. Um, and I had been toying around the idea because I was had just turned 21 of driving semi. And I can still remember him saying, go, go to rail. It's one of the only, it's a good trucking company and it's one of the only ones that'll hire you when you're 21. Most of them required 23 and you needed to have your CDL rail would teach you and they would take you when you're 21. So I came in the rail and I can still remember walking in the side door, which was 
where the one recruiter was, Harley Meyer, and he immediately, for some reason, knew who I was because he went to school with my aunt up in Maryland. <laughs> so of all the people, and I didn't know him, but he knew me and he knew of me, and so that was my first experience here. And then that was, like I said, the summer of 94. I got my CDL, drove about a year. Then I came in the office to become a fleet manager. So I was a, so 22-ish, so I was a fleet manager for a year, about a year, and then for various reasons realized it was probably better for me to still be out on the road and not, you know, I was just not ready to be in a work, you know, an office environment every day. Um, and I enjoyed driving, so I was back on the road for a little over a year and a half, probably about a year and a half. Um, and then I actually left the company for seven months um, just because I, I moved down to the southeast and the company was not like it is now with all the different fleets and different terminals. I mean, we had different ones, but nothing like it is now. And then seven months after that, I decided I wanted to come back. So I came back and drove about six months and then came back in the office. So, you know, now I'm 24-ish or whatever I was. Came back and as a fleet manager again, and I worked with new drivers, um, you know, who are just getting out on their own. So there was a lot of you know, hands-on verbal stuff with, you know, coaching these drivers through every part of their day. This explains why you're so good at answering my questions, because <laughs> no, well. that's my job. <laughs> well, that's, well, it's a good way to learn everything, because you kind of got to, you know, you were there. I mean, you can, it, it helps having been a driver, you can put yourself in almost most types of situations, and you know what it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when you get a certain type of load, you know what it's like where you're going, you know, what time of year, I mean, you just can, you can picture that so you can you know you can have some understanding of what you're asking people to do and how you're asking them to do it so so I don't remember how long I was that and then but then I uh, with Randy Blivin who's no longer with us in the company started training fleet started training fleet managers which was different I believe than it is now we actually had them like in a classroom type setting and we would have you know dummy orders and people in trucks that weren't you know so we'd spend weeks learning how to do all the mechanics of a fleet manager, building relays. So getting, simulations. Yep, simulations. Yep, it was, and it was all just like it was in the system, but it just wasn't actual people going out there right. and driving loads. But they could do all the mechanics that they needed to, or at least get a good foundation for it. Um, so when they did get a group of drivers who are actually out on the road and stuff, they didn't have to, they knew how to do those, you know, those basic things, which eat a lot of time up if you don't. And then, so I did that, I think, about a year. And then at some point there, I became a planner. And this is still, everything was Monday through Friday. Then I was a Southeast planner. And then I think I was a Southeast planner for five, six years. And then I think planned Texas for a while and planned Illinois market for at least five or so years. And then I don't even know how long it's been since I've been a market owner, but then was moved into the market owner position, which I really enjoyed because I have three daughters and when they were little, I could be home with them. And, you know, as they were going through grade school, I could, I was off, you know, depending on which, which week I was either off Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the week, or I was off Wednesday, Thursday. So I could go sure. to, you know, I could take them to school, spend time with them, just things most of us don't get, most people don't get to do when they work full time uh, Monday through Friday. So it was unique, you know, you give up some weekends, but you know, it more than made up for it, 
with the time I got to spend with them. So have always enjoyed that. The fact that we have planners on the weekend is absolutely utmost important. So. Yes. Well, and that it's the company's changed so much and grown so much and customers have changed so much and grown so much over the years where you would not be able to keep the drive. Yeah, or or the customers cuz you just you need them now 7 days a week. So so it's worked out good. It's just you know, it's just well, I got to give business. you props for all the planning stuff. When I quit <laughs> driving and they first asked me to come in the office, it was for a planner position. Yeah. I was on the reefer team planning the Minnesota and West area. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's like it's kind of like putting a jigsaw puzzle together with half the pieces missing and then mm-hmm. the ones that you do have move around. <laughs> <laughs> or break or do something. Yep, it's for sure. And, and it's I guess I've changed in the fact that when I was with fleet management, I very much enjoyed that, um, talking to the drivers and working through them. And couldn't didn't want to think about the customer service side of it. Didn't know much about it, and just didn't have any interest of it. But now, you know, having been in that, you know, I enjoy that. And it's just it's harder to picture going through everything like we used to with the drivers because you just you know you're in a different role now where you're trying to put the whole like you said the whole trying to make all the customers happy, trying to make all the drivers happy who are also a form of customer. <laughs> you know, it's just yep. like you said, it's it's. It takes a lot, and it takes a lot of you know data and, and getting things right, and a lot of teamwork between different divisions, and um, and it takes everyone, and it's hard, and it's you know there are days you leave feeling like you got everything done, and there's days just like any job, and there's days you leave where you feel like you got nothing done, and or it was just all a battle, and and, yeah. and you know it just ended because the day is over. So I got a I got a little touch of OCD. Everything needs to be in its place, and that would drive me absolutely crazy. I'd have it all lined up, and then something would fall apart, yeah. and I had to pull all this other stuff apart just to try and make it all work. And I just but that's the beauty of it too is they that's not the only role you know you realize that that was not going to be a good fit for you so you can Mm -hmm. you know and working with the drivers you can keep a you know they're still people you know so they're going to kind of do what they want to or whether whether you want them to or not but you can kind of be in a little bit more I don't know if controls or whatever but you can give a little more influence on getting them to where they need to be and how they're supposed to be there. I was, I was in that seat for 30 years. Yeah. I know what, I know what they're looking at and what they're thinking. Right. So, I mean, that helps me a lot. Absolutely. But. And, and me too. Right. I mean, when you can yeah. put yourself in a seat and picture that coming to you and sure. see what's wrong with it or what's right about it. And, and, you know, a lot of times you can change your decision before you even make one because, because you've been in that spot. So sure. you can kind of empathize with that. So, sure. Um, I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you were in the Navy. Yep. When was that? I got out of the high school ninety-one, about ninety-one to ninety-three. I was in the Navy just over two years, or right around two years. So, so where did you serve? Did you go over to the Gulf War the first one? I did not go over to the Gulf, but I was stationed on a frigate in Philly, and then we moved uh, that base closed, and then we moved up to Rhode Island, and that's where the base was. So the I didn't get overseas. We were down by Puerto Rico a couple times, sure. Guantanamo Bay and stuff like that. So got to experience being underway, you know, far enough from shore where you can't see land sure. <laughs> for days and, and uh, experience that. And it was, and that's probably, that may have a lot to do with why I came to driving 
because you know you're with you know you're with people on a ship, but you know out of high school you go to boot camp where you don't know anyone, you get to know them all, then you leave. Mm-hmm. You go to A school, you meet a whole 50 new people that you've never met. You're all going through the same thing. You come close to them with them in five months, and then you leave, <laughs> and you're never gonna you know you never see any of them again. So you you know as much as you're with other people, you're there's alone time too, where you know you got to be able to alone and obviously as a truck driver um, as much as you're around people all day you're in essence alone and it, you know again even that is nothing like it is now where which is only a benefit with phones and being able to FaceTime and email we didn't you know my first when I first started driving we didn't have the satellites yet even so everything was via phone you know you had to call in and get your dispatch landline and, yeah, landline. Pay yep, phone. from pay phones. Pay yep, phones. Yeah, there was, <laughs> yep, and I'm sure there were cell phones, but you I have, didn't have one. Did and, you have, like, and, calling cards, collect cards? Yeah, 800 number. You could, I mean, everything was here was, yeah, you and you had to keep track of your phones, and you submitted them with your trip jackets, and they, because you could use that for personal calls, too. You would just yeah. had to pay for that. So, um, and then before I forget, too, because, uh, as Travis knows, his dad uh, was my last fleet manager when I was probably, had my most experience. So, for... He's retired now. He's been re- he's happily retired. He uh yeah, I knew Dennis and I knew Travis when Travis was a little kid, yeah. A very little kid, <laughs> yeah. So and his sister too, and I forget his sister's name. But yeah, I got to know Dennis and his family and, and I got to know him probably a little more because I had worked in the office. You know, so I knew him True. in the office um for that short time and then went back on the road. So um yeah, so I mean I have and I've you know, after almost thirty years yet. You know, there's people I work with that were in mine and my wife's weddings that are my kids' godparents and just, you know, it's... Just reinforcing the fact that rail is a very family-oriented business. Yep, and and that's, yep, and that's very much part of the reason, you know, I'm still here. And a lot of, the, you know, a lot of people I'm close to are still here. Because, I mean, you think about how much you change from, you know, I just turned 50 this year. I was 21 when I started. That's a year older than my daughter, my oldest daughter. <laughs> So, you know, how how much you evolve as, you know, you go from your early 20s to your mid-20s and you get married and then you have kids and now your kids are off in college. And so you kind of lived, you know, over my half my life has been walking in these doors or or coming out of this property. So it's... Um, You're changing. The organization's changing. It's just a lot of changes. Yep, a lot of changes. And you have to be able to change because... You know, and you can see it with some people and you can see it, you know, with just people around you, whether it's in the office or sometimes the drivers, you can tell it's harder for some than others because you're used to the way it was or the way you feel it should be. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're right and sometimes you may be right, but it's not going to be that way anymore. So you have to accept that and be able to work around it because because it's going to change. I mean, everything, everything does. But yeah, I, you know, you just, I feel that way that I grew up here. You know, because I was, like I said, you know, we all, when we're 21, we're 21. You know, when we're in our, when you become a parent, you're, you know, different. And then raising them, and then when you turn 50, it's like, my God. You know, like. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, half a dozen people in in the department weren't, are younger than my kids. You know, are younger than my oldest kid, or weren't born yet when I started here, so. Um, not that I feel old. I don't. I was going to say, I had no idea you were such an old guy. Yeah, 50. It's, it's fine. But I don't feel old. And again, you know, it's just, it's been fun. You know, I mean, like, like I said, 
I'm getting to that age now where a lot of the people I've known for the last 20 years are starting to retire. Not that I'm there yet, but that's a lot closer than it was. Yeah. You I blink just, and I just brought that yeah. up because I was over there in the desert. Oh, yeah. Same same time frame. Yeah. And I was wondering if maybe you were on one of them boats that was yeah. lobbing them bombs over the top of us. No, it was just kind of getting. We I remember to be that being discussed in boot mm-hmm. camp, and and then that they might have to cut stuff short and just deploy us all. But mm-hmm. you know, thankfully for whatever reason, it didn't. We went through that, and I, again, I enjoyed that. It was a unique experience, and um, you know, good memories, and it and. I was an operations specialist in the Navy, so that was had a lot to do with navigation sure. and um, with the radars and stuff, and maybe that's a little bit of why. Fitting. Yep, that I enjoy putting the puzzle together. Or, you know, you know, I was fortunate that I drove long enough, or a little over three years, where I was in all 48 of the lower states and into Canada. And again, it just helps you, you know, empathize and... And maybe give advice if it's asked on, you know, what what should they do, you know, or where do they, you know, where do they park, or how should they, you know, like you said, you, you know, if people ask, you're always willing to help, you know, figure it out if, if you're not sure. And it gets easier to find solutions to some problems, you know, if, you know, loads need to be relayed or driver has an emergency and now needs to go here instead of there, you know, you, you know, after working in the system and just having you know, a knowledge of the geography, you can find those solutions faster, you know, than you would if you sure. didn't. And But it, it takes time. And again, it's not just one of us, you know, there's several people in our department alone that, you know, are 20 years, 15 years plus, you know, so you have other resources in people that know the flow. Yep, know the flow and you can ask for help. And they, you know, sometimes you're staring at something so long, you, you can't see what's right in front of you and you just ask, the person to your left who says, well, do that, you know, oh, you're, yep, you're right. That should do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the nicest thing about it. Or one of the nice things about it is, you know, the people I work with are always, always willing to help. They're always willing to ask for help. You know, when you have people around you who are willing to help solve the problems or, or come up with solutions that eases that. We've had several interviews here recently talking about the state of the freight market at the moment where it's a little bit of a rough mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a rough market right mm-hmm. now. What are some of the challenges that we face from the customer service side and what can we do to help out with that? You know, it used to be five hundred and some miles a day was the average length of haul. Now it's maybe four hundred, you know, so that's that's not even a full day's work. So that's so you need to do more than that, you know, and, and that's something that um, is, I think, hard for drivers to understand that, you know, if you think over the road truck driver, you think I'm going to pick up a load in Pennsylvania and drive to Texas. Well, whatever they want in Texas is probably now made in Arkansas, you know, so it's coming from there instead of from Pennsylvania. You know, there's, there's far more, you know, availability for customers to get what they want closer to home, you know, whereas, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, not everybody made certain rolls of paper or whatever, you know, whatever they made. It's a growth that changed. Yep, growth that changed. And and the hardest part is to get, and I know it's harder as a driver, um, but, you know, if you have a 
if you have a 300 mile load for today, get it done as soon as you safely can and then get started on the next one. Because as much as it's set up that way, it's also set up in many ways to do another one or at least get that next one, you know, started. and start it. Because, you know, that's that's a big mindset change is, you know, as a driver, and, and I can relate to that too, you wanted to see that 700 mile dispatch, you know, so I know I can drive 500 miles today. Well, they're still there, but not as much. But if, if I get start this morning and drive my 300 mile load off and then go 60 miles to get my another load and then drive a hundred miles it adds of that, up. it's, it's still a 500 mile day, you know, it's, but it's, it's not how it used to be, you know, so it's, it's getting people to buy into that, that, you know, whether it's one dispatch or two, if you're driving four to 500 miles a day, you can be successful. You just have to, it now takes two loads instead of one and a half instead of one. And, um, I can relate to that even still too, because I've always kept my CDL and this, this last summer, um, I work with our granite department because we have some, uh, we have a dump truck. I don't know if fleet's the right word. I don't remember how many we have, five or six, but we have. You can call it a fleet. Yep, a fleet, a small dump truck fleet. And then we have a few belly dumps and end dumps that haul granite and sand for, you know, like making the roads around here. So this summer, I, because of my schedule again, if I'm off during the week and they had a truck empty for vacations or whatever, I was able to do that. And, you know, and even doing that, not leaving central Wisconsin, you know, there were days we drove 500 miles. You know, it's a lot of work and it's not, you know, it's a lot of stopping and starting and, you know, picking up and delivering, but it's a 500 mile day. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you just have to do it, you know, because maybe tomorrow it'll be, you know, a longer length of haul so you don't have to get out and stop as like you used to but you know you can still do it and we do it in less than a 12 hour day 11 hours of driving and so it's it's just that's nobody likes to do it that way I mean you just don't think of a truck drive you know as I'm an over-the-road truck driver you don't think of it that way but that's something that's changed and you know that's also why we have all these other fleets now you know get home daily eat regional type fleets and stuff out like of the that. truck a little more out of the truck a little more. Yep, you're hitting more docks, or you're you're dropping and stretch out. Yeah, get some fresh air. Yeah, you get fresh air in the truck, but you can get fresh stretch air. out. Get, stretch yep. out a little That's bit more. That's right. These Do some push-ups every time you stop, or some jumping jacks, or talk to some That's, people. Yeah. Yep, talk to some people, <laughs> stuff like that. But you know, it's out there. It's just a matter of getting it, and the best, you know, again, to be the ones the drivers are successful are the ones that get one and they get it done as soon as they can. You know as soon as they safely and legally can and then are ready for the next one. And if that's another, whatever it is, just the sooner you do it, the sooner you get the next one. And because it always does pan out, you know, you don't do it forever. You know, you might have a day or two of having to really kind of buckle down, but then you, you'll you get that, oh, I'm finally going to Ohio. <laughs> I'm finally, you know, going a day and a half away yeah. or something like that. It's just powering through what's available because like you said that's one of the biggest changes you see in customer service sure because um, it's more work for everybody it's more you know the, the customer service reps are have to book that many more loads whereas now if you know they booked a load for you today that delivered some other market tomorrow they only had to book the one load well now the load they booked today comes back to their own market and they got to book another one for you when you get there you know so it's it's hard and you know and somebody has to schedule it and somebody has to bill it it's a higher frequency to, yeah it's much more volume and, <coughs> um but it you know and it's 
it's just the way the market has changed, you know, or the way the freight flows around the nation have changed. So, and you got to, and like, I, we have to change with how we look at things. I mean, our driver fleet has to evolve with that too. And Another thing that's been brought up repeatedly is our on-time service. That how, how important is that? As a driver, when you get your load assignment, you know, you, you look at it and you work with your fleet manager like you, if you're not sure how to do that yet, then the biggest thing is, is if you're not sure you can do it, you, you know, we don't make you do anything, you know, um, and we certainly won't make you do something you can't, you know, so you kind of got a trip plan it. And the frustration comes in and, and some of the problems come in is when it's not communicated early enough that I can't do that. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding maybe sometimes on the procedures because we'll, you know, if we find out, and that's where customers get upset. If we don't tell them soon enough, a lot of times or too often we find out after we're already late, you know, then we'll get a call and where's your driver? Well, here, let me check. Well, they're two hours away. Well, why aren't they here? Well, let me check. You know, I mean, and so that's, that's probably the hardest, that's probably the biggest problem on time service wise, or one of the big problems is when we don't know we're going to, or we don't tell our customer we're going to be late. Well, it makes us look like we don't know what's going right. on. Right. Because we certainly should know that. You know, if the planner, for whatever reason, doesn't see it when it's planned, there are checks in place that will alert them that, hey, this driver can't do this, make the pickup or delivery on time. So then they should be checking it. But if, if that doesn't flag to them, then it gets sent out. Then to me, that's it's on the driver. You know, if, I, if I'm in my truck and I know how many hours I have, when I started my day, and I see where I have to pick up, when I have to be there, where I have to deliver, when I have to be there, I should know that. You know, I should know if I can do that. And if I'm new, or even if I'm not new and I'm not sure, you know, that's there's fleet managers to call and say, am I looking at it wrong? You know, it's no different than us asking for help. And weather, um, you got traffic, all that right, stuff, 411. depending on where you're going. And the system works with that to, to try to calculate that. But again, it's still just calculating. It's the driver has to know their capability, you know, how do I feel today? You know, am I, am I going to be able to do this or, or that? And, and the best thing for us is if, yep, I can do it. And I'm going to talk to my fleet manager. I already know how I'm going to plan my trip out. And if something unforeseen doesn't happen, like a flat tire or something like that, then I'll be on time. Um, but you know, everything, everything is quick and people. So, so the main thing here is communication. Communication in and ask questions, and that's what I would say for every driver or fleet manager. I mean, we have new fleet managers too, and we have new customer service people too. So, you know, they're sometimes scheduling appointments that aren't realistic, you know. So, you know, that's where market owners and the planners are like, you know, there's no way we can deliver this on time. It's got to load sooner, you know. So we try to identify all that. But like you said, the, the sheer volume is so much more than it was where it relies on all of us. If the planner doesn't catch it when they plan it, and nothing flags, and the you know driver doesn't realize it, and the fleet manager that's going to happen. Where none of us realize it, but um, it happens more than it should. And and you know it's the best thing to to fix that is if you're not sure, just ask. Like you said, but some people are you know it's it's hard to ask sometimes. And and I think when you're somewhere long, as long as I've been there and others, you have no problem asking. You know if this is right or how do you how do I fix this or you know somebody needs this instead of that so don't pretend to be that professional yeah I mean the professional yeah, the professional can, is the guy that's gonna ask that's gonna ask because that you just I mean I 
have no illusions that I know everything and nobody does. And, um, but like you said, one of the benefits of uh, the longevity is you can find solutions to some things quicker. But, you know, I wasn't a driver last year. I was a driver over 25 years ago. So it was, you know, traffic was different, you know, every, not everything, but many things were different. The expectations of our customers were different. And more, like you said, alluded to, service and when the, when the economy is a little sluggish like this, that's what they have to hang their head on. You know, three years ago or four years ago, whatever, when there was two loads for every driver, you heard very little about service because they were just happy to have a, have a driver. You know, the, you know, they could have moved two loads for every one we could haul. So, so that's part of the thing with service. Some customers are always honest, and some customers are very time sensitive. You know, they're production loads or whatever, so they need it when they schedule it. People don't inventory stuff like they used to. You know, so they, when they order it, they need it that day. Um, but things happen still. But um, so that, that's, a, that's a thing of service too. You know, when freight is light like this and they don't, you know, they have options for carriers because there's not enough freight to go around, then they can harp on you if you're not getting it done. Like Travis said, it makes you look like you're not, don't know what you're doing. Now, rail's been around long enough where we have a reputation, but it's still makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. So if you can't do what you said you're gonna do, you know, there's four other carriers over there that don't have enough to do, and we'll give it to them, you know, so. And they might do it for a lower cost, which yep. is gonna drive stuff down, and yep. with uh, our costs going up, it doesn't yep. help at all. And that's exactly right. That's that's another thing that they, that's another lever they pull is, you know, if that's the best you can do, we can, you know, XYZ trucking over here will do it for 20 cents a mile cheaper and they aren't going to do any worse, you know? So, so you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be sensitive to that. And, and, but like you said, the biggest thing is communicating, communicating early and, you know, just trying to keep an eye on that. And then, you know, like we talked about sooner, the difference in the freight, there's X, X amount more loads delivering every day. So it's that much more, everybody's got to try to keep an eye on and, you know, it's, it's busy. Fantastic. I know Travis has got a favorite question over here. He likes to know, using your imagination, where do you see trucking going in the future? Hmm. I don't know. I guess I, <laughs> I see it. My future of maybe Well, I don't know is a good years answer the... because who does? <laughs> right. Well, I guess the first thing that popped in mind is trucks driving themselves. Is that, uh, you know, or smart you know i know or remote at least yeah or like something like trucks, that you know people at home driving or at the yeah, office or something like that that's just it's just an opinion question yeah that's well that's is. that's the first thing nobody really knows what's gonna happen no i mean i foresee more of the same hopefully the economy picks up but it'll always be like this i mean after you always think you can never be this in it as tough as it is right now there there's still days and weeks of hope but i mean i can remember years where you know, we couldn't plan a driver. Many drivers, you know, they'd empty Friday and we wouldn't be able to plan them on something until Monday. You know, and we're nowhere near that. And, and that's something rail has changed. Um, and I'm sure others have too, is we don't want them sitting. So, you know, back then we didn't have the options for freight. We're now we'll deadhead drivers farther. If we can, you know, if we can get more freight somewhere, but it's farther now, we'll send them there. You know, 20 years ago, 
we wouldn't do that. You know, they would sit in Atlanta until Monday or wherever. But now we'll sift them to North Carolina to pick up a load. You know, we just so you know those are things that the carriers do to adapt, and you adjust your customers that way. I can't picture it. It's hard for me to picture it any way other than it is now. Just a lot of these smaller type fleets, you know, specialized home daily fleets, regional fleets, you know, stuff like that. Um, because there will hopefully always be, you know, and I'm sure there always will be long length of haul over the road, you know, thousand mile trips. There'll always be some of those, but I've, it'll be more to me. It'll be you pick up a load in central Wisconsin and you deliver it in Illinois this afternoon. And then, I'm yeah. still waiting for the teleportation devices <laughs> because I want my Amazon order right now. Uh, yeah, it's not, like, not, uh, not yeah. a day from now, not mm. two days. I want it now. What is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's that or, movie where they send people through the the old ancient uh, oh, um, I know it's Star or something? Stargate. Stargate. Yep. Where you just drive through and now you're in. Send the freight. Yeah. <laughs> I guess owning owning the Stargate is or a Star Wars uh, there you go or Star Trek uh, transporter is what you there want. you go yeah, just, there you go yeah I don't know that I see that yet so that's uh, as it's much so as I have a very very vivid imagination <laughs> I can it should be easy they make it look easy on TV well they got 3D printers I mean you know but then yeah. you got to have the printer that's right that's only gonna be in certain locations yeah you know? that's it's so that's, disappointing I want my Amazon order now yeah, yeah, I see they printed a boat a 3D boat a huge 3D they? boat yeah. It's a real, but having the printer, obviously, I mean, you right now it's like they print it, but mm-hmm. you still got to get that, right. ship that, you know. Well, you just got to have one in every city or something. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I have to worry about that, uh, <laughs> or at least having to plan anything around that. So, well, it's like you said before, uh, if you go back in time a little bit, there was uh, there were longer runs, you know, stuff wasn't uh, in as many places, now it's in more places, and moving at that trajectory. There'll be more things in more places, even more. Right. For the home daily stuff. Yeah. Well, people will be able to get it quicker, so they'll use it quicker, so they'll need more of it quick. You know, so, I mean, yeah, that's the way I see it. You know, I mean, you drive around now and you, you see, depending on where you live, you see huge warehouses being built at some, you know, these DCs where, that you know, the Amazon that you, you, know, you alluded to. and Well, then, um, when... Uh, when more things, more production equipment is in more places, and there's really not much need to go outside of a city. Right. I mean, the small towns may have to go to the cities, right? Right. But eventually, small towns may even have printers, 3D printers, or yeah. you know, stuff to produce th- more you things. You want one of those 3D printers, don't you? Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. When more places are producing more things uh, and doing less transport, hopefully we open space up and right. start like, uh, you know, do some colonizing and, yeah. and long hauls in space, outer space. Outer space, I'd be, there I'd you be go. fine with that. Yeah. There's your long haul right there. Yep, take to the load, moon and back. Take a load to That's Mars. Like you said, we'll, start at, we'll start at the moon, I suppose. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, that's how I foresee it. Just kind of more of this is what it's evolved into now. And it took, you know, 20 some years to, you know, so it's not like a quick five year change. It's But it does kind of snowball and oh, yeah. it does exponentially kind of add up. So it goes faster, you know, mm-hmm. the add up. Yep. And as always with trucking, you know, there are so many options for drivers to 
you know, the, the wind's not blowing right here, I'll go over there, you know, and then it's not, you know, they can. I was just thinking of that. So uh, the customer that's like, I'm going to go here because they can do it for less and do it just as good. Right. Now, here's the thing. A driver could be like, well, I'm just going to go find a job somewhere else then whatever, you know. Right. But the thing is, is we got some good stuff going on here. Absolutely. We, we're led by a driver. We got good values. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we know how to treat our people. Yeah. We've got good maintenance, good equipment. Yeah. There's a, I could go on and on. No, that we do. And we have very nice training. Equipment. Like I said, I, you know, I see the brand new trucks that come in here. We turn them every four years or whatever it is, you know, for the, for the tractors and the, and the trailers are less than five years old too. Um, um, and even like what I drive, the day cabs I drive now, you know, there are some older internationals, but they're, you know, they only have 200 thousand miles on them and they're the old ones you know the new freight liners and stuff i mean they're they're nice you know and, and i've you know you look inside some of these over the road trucks and i mean they were i was fortunate enough to drive some um you know have a hood back but my the cab over days that's what i started with you know so those are gone <laughs> there were some benefits to having a cab over as a new driver trust me <laughs> and I was thankful I had one to learn in because there are places you got into that I don't, I'd probably still be there if there would have been a hood on the front of the truck. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the definitely easier to back up. Oh, that's for yeah. Sure. You can get around a lot easier with them. And especially when you're in the Chicago's and the Atlanta's and stuff, that's. And you crawl up in the box for sleeping? Yep, mm-hmm. same thing. Yep, just, it's just there's a the doghouse in between the front seats where there's a floor in the, in the you know, because that's where the motor is. But or the engine is, but um, yeah, the equipment is, I don't know how you could get better. I mean, it's brand new, really, really nice trucks. I, re- I remember them old cab overs. So yeah, absolutely, we have a lot of good things. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of experienced people, you know, who like me, who who drove, who were fleet managers, who have drove in different types of fleets. And, and like you said, led by Rick, who, you know who drove and and who still know. drives yep still drives yep he does Just to check things out make yep. sure everything is going good at- absolutely and you know that's invaluable and and you know that's the biggest thing is when you have people who can put themselves in your position as the driver or as the fleet manager or as the customer i mean you you have an ally you know you have somebody who who's been there and and had to work through the not so good ones and and um, enjoy the the fun ones because you know there's always those that are not so fun. But then there's you know I can still remember vividly some of the trips I took and you know I remember them forever and right on they were fun. Well, let's veer away from trucking and rail for just a second. Let's get to know Ryan a little yeah. bit. <laughs> well, I don't know. If there's not much. I know you mentioned. <laughs> I know you mentioned kids earlier. Yeah. Is there a Family, grandkids, etc. No, God, no, not yet. My oldest is, uh, Eliana is 20. She's a sophomore at Eau Claire for nursing school. Um, so she, she was the first one to leave the house. I have my middle daughter, Callie's a senior. She's 18. Uh, so she'll be going. She's not sure where yet. Um, likely a tech. Um, What's she interested in? She wants to be the one who positions you and stuff to take your x-rays and stuff so radiology tech or something she's not going to read them at least not initially um so she wants to get a two-year degree to operate that stuff yep and then get in and then she has aspirations to do beyond that um in the medical field and she um and and eliana has worked as a cna for the last couple years when it's a sophomore 
in college, and Callie also works at the hospital. I've been to see the x-ray techs way too many times in my life. <laughs> well, and I... Uh, they got I, a skeleton of you somewhere posted. Yeah, that's right. I have lots yep. of x-rays. Yep. He's <laughs> back again. Yep. And uh, all very, very good students, all very um, good people, hardworking people who have, you know, good good set of friends and values. And they're, they're how you hope they... Sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, what do you what do you guys like to do for fun? Yeah, together. Oh well, it's been less. Unfortunately, now it's amazing how as they get older, uh, you know, they all have their own activities, but going their own ways. Yep, they're all doing. It's hard to get us all pointed in the same direction. But we were fortunate at when they were younger in in that grade school age and stuff. We have been on trips out west of you know Mount Rushmore and stuff. We've gotten to go to the Gulf Shores. Uh, Grandparents have been, you know, very involved in Disneyland and stuff like that. So we we've been on, and when they were younger, my parent, my parents had uh, Cheryl's parents have gone on trips with us, like to Disneyland and stuff. My parents had a had a camper they always kept in the summer up at uh, Manaqua or up just outside of Manaqua at a small lake, where with my shift and my wife's a teacher. My wife uh, Cheryl's been a teacher for over twenty some years, so she has her summers available even though she taught summer school but with my schedule you know when I'm done with work Thursday or when I was done with work Sunday I'd be off Monday and Tuesday so we could pack the kids and go up to the camper that was there because my mom and dad would be back at work and we'd have a campground you know for the week if I took vacation to just be on the lake and, and stuff like that so there were many there were several years of that you know of that age of five through 10 or whatever, where that's what it was. But we always enjoy going to North Shore, uh, like Lutzen, north of Duluth there, up on Lake Superior and Canal Park and Porcupine Mountains in northern northern Michigan. And those are probably the, they're not anymore, like I said, but for many years, those were the yearly trips. It's like the Copper Lands, right? Yep. Yep, yep, up in the Porcupine Mountains and stuff like that. And Lutzen, Lake, were, of, the, Lake of the Clouds is up yep, there. Yep, Lake of the Clouds, yep. We, we were just would, up there on a motorcycle ride with the instructors from the oh, from uh, the GYCDL over here. Okay. We took a motorcycle trip up there. We went up to Copper Harbor and Lake of the Clouds and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I literally had to do a U-turn in the... Oh, I did a U-turn. Uh, <laughs> on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. All right. In the country road. But I did a U-turn, and I had to come back to take a picture of the sign. You know those signs that say, this town is three miles, that town is five miles, yeah. et, cetera, et cetera, There's one that says, end of the earth, two miles. <laughs> I had to stop yeah. and get a picture of that yeah. sign. <laughs> so was it the shoreline or what? No, it's the name of a town. Oh, end of but the it, earth. But it's, oh, really? it's hilarious. That's what I would have thought it was like. The end of the road was two miles away, and no, you were going to fall no, into the lake. It's actually a little, it's a wide <laughs> spot in the road, but they call it the end of the end of the earth. And I was, earth. I thought it was hilarious. I had to take pictures That's of it. That's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> yep. And uh, so that, you know, that was when the kids, my wife and I, we were fortunate to, so I've been in 49 states. I guess that's one of the things we honeymooned in Hawaii. So that was my, uh, so that was a, a fun experience, but I've never been to Alaska. So someday I'll. Go on a cruise, Alaskan cruise. Alaskan cruise to see the glaciers or the whales or something. But, you know, we actually, um, I don't know that we've ever done it in a long time, but we actually at one point Flatbedders brought, I don't know if they were like homes or modular homes or something up to Alaska from around here. And I remember thinking that would have been 
quite the trip to yeah. to take. Uh, but so someday I want to get to Alaska so I can stay. Say I've been in all all fifty and yeah. I mean I enjoyed it when I you know you go from Maine to back to Wisconsin and you go through Canada mm-hmm. and up above the lakes. Yep, through Sudbury and stuff and back in Sault Ste. Marie and just was a different way of it was it was neat it's just not something you get the to only do. the only part of north america that i haven't been in is that new brunswick over there yeah it's the You've only, gone there it's yeah. the only one that i haven't yeah. hit um i've been in all the different provinces in canada yeah. and i've dipped my toes into mexico a little bit yeah, okay. and, and i've been to alaska and all that just have not managed to catch that one little corner yeah, you'll get there i want to i want to see that bay of fundy sometime where the tide comes in like 25 feet high or oh, something. Wow. I, I think that'd be crazy. I'm a, I'm a big whitewater kayaker guy. Oh, yeah, no thanks. And uh, <laughs> they they literally sit there twice a day that, you know, the tide comes and goes, and, yeah. it, and it turns it into a whitewater playground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I totally want to check that out. Not my cup of tea, but you I totally want to check that send out. Send pictures. Mm-hmm. My, my want is uh, South America somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my Never wife been. and I, I've been to Europe with a, with a friend. Uh, it was right when Cheryl and I met, and she we met just too recently where she didn't didn't come with. It would have been cheaper to have her come last minute than what the phone bill was. But um, we, we were just talking about that. There was some, you know, commercial for Paris or whatever, and we'll go do something like that again someday. You know, not... Hopefully, not yet. But hopefully, we don't have any viruses coming out or yeah. wars, you know, breaking yeah. out or crazies yeah, doing their crazy stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. always something, and there's always been something. I was just, we were just talking about that too. You know, it seems like it's all doom and gloom now, but it's kind I of always been like that. Yeah, huh? the '70s, and I mean, I was I was here in the '70s, but not aware of anything. But you know, the '60s, '70s had what they had. You know, I mean, Cuban Missile uh, Crisis. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, and the wars then too, and. Mm-hmm. So there's still far more good than it's just we hear about everything now oh, yeah. instantly, you know, and you know mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, it's, I would love to go back over to Europe again. I know Travis likes to travel a lot. I don't travel a whole lot. I would love to do that sometime. I was stationed there when I was oh. in the military. I was stationed in Germany. Every weekend we would go somewhere. Yeah, you know, I went went to all these different places. I've told the story before. I ended up in Paris. Yeah. On a flip of the coin on a Friday night. Yeah. We we said north, south, east, west, and, and it ended up on west, and we got on the Autobahn and headed west. Huh. And then we saw a sign that said Paris, 405 kilometers. I'm like, we can do that. Yeah, yes. No, thanks. <laughs> yes. It's different. You know, you're going from country to country. Mm-hmm. There's where here we're going state to state, and yeah. there's no there's no passports and borders and stuff like that. There's Well, there's... It's streamlined a lot since I'm I was sure. there, but it's when, like states there pretty much. When I was Is there, when I, when I was there, it was just a quick matter of showing your ID, and then oh. you were through the okay. border um, to most of the countries. Right. You know, the the western western ones were all pretty easy. Obviously, the wall was still up when I was there. You could not go into. Oh, yeah. You could not go into the other side of the wall. Oh, okay, yeah, and that was gone when I was there. That was that was about uh, what 20, 21 years ago, and mm-hmm. it was down uh, down. Um, so it was neat to see. And yeah, it's hard to imagine, but like you said, it's. I have a little piece of it. Cause I, I do was, too. I was there when it came down. Okay. Yeah. I have a piece of what they said is it, whether yeah. it's actually it or not. I guess I'll never know, but yeah, I, I pretend it's a piece of it. So. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's always 
we'll always have to work through it. I think we ought to start thinking about wrapping this up, Travis. We do have a survey question. Um, if you uh, could take any imaginary character, um, literature, movies, TV, whatever, if you could bring any imaginary character to life and have a conversation with them, who would that be? It's got to be imaginary. Well, not necessarily. The rules are yours, man. Okay, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. There's many that of people I would like to have a conversation with. I would say like someone like Harrison Ford. There you like go. Talk to there you or, go. Um, you know, just someone like I mean, that too. Harrison so, Ford is a real person, obviously, yeah, yeah. but he's played so many characters, right. so that's perfectly acceptable. Well, you know, Harrison Ford, from what I read, he used to he went out to Hollywood. And he uh, had the idea that he wanted to act, but he didn't really expect to get anything. So he was a carpenter, and somebody big kind of yep. discovered him. Well, on working the on the set of, I think like he was that. a carpenter on the set of Star Wars, yeah. and they had him fill in yeah. because they didn't have Han Solo, so they just had him. Is that true? That's it. Yeah. That's how I remember. Yeah. Reading I didn't read that. that part. George, George you know, so there's someone like yeah. that who's interesting. Yeah, you know, just you know, Chill. And, you, and you never hear about him, you know, in the in the gas you know the which is good you know it just well, means he's stays you do, out of you that. do hear about him trying to, with his hero complex flying his helicopter rescuing people oh does stuff. he yeah <laughs> see nah, that's why i don't read the news but uh, yep someone like that i think would be neat to, uh, i i think that would be fantastic just, and i uh, what totally, character totally that he plays would you hang out with uh, i think han solo han solo yeah right. there's been so many though Otherwise, Indiana Jones. Yeah, he's got a lot sure. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, you pick one. <laughs> they'd, yeah. they'd all be interesting to... The, I think my favorite was The Fugitive, where yeah. he was hiding with yeah. the Amish people. That's a good one. I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good one. Regarding Henry, I mean, there were so many he was mm-hmm. in. It was just, you know, it was, he's just the first one to pop to mind, I guess. Uh, and that's, that's perfectly acceptable, man. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, so... that That is maybe the best answer we've had yet. I don't know. <laughs> We'll leave it at Han Solo. We'll leave it at Han Solo. Yeah, because I, if, <laughs> to your point of word, I see transportation. I wouldn't mind. You know, I I could be an X-wing pilot or something like that. Space I, travel, yeah, space transport, I could do that, outer yeah. space transport. Oh, space fighter. Yeah, something like that. I could see that. I could. I do was that. trying to remember that line that he used in the movie: "The fastest ship in the galaxy yeah. ran it in ten parsecs yeah. or whatever." Oh, <laughs> 12, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch that. It's been on TV, the, the Force Awakens or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's been on TV. So, yeah. Yeah, 12. We, uh, the Kessel Run. Kessel Run. That's yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. So. Made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what a parsec is. but <laughs> I don't either. Some measure of, some form of measurement, apparently. We'd so. have to redo the whole railway, though, because the slow down would not work in, in that situation. No. <laughs> no. So it'd have to be like, calculate yeah, your route yeah, very are, carefully. Like and us, know what's in it. That would not be, they would not be safety first. We'd have to, well, you could still be safe. we just have to know exactly what's in our path right. before we go light speed. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> We're almost there. You know what's happening is still legit. <laughs> Yeah, so. All right, we ready to wrap this up? Yep. All right, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Keep the shiny side up and that dirty side down and uh, keep it safe out there, guys. Thanks for being here, Ryan. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.